What's up, everyone? Make sure you check out the West West Network website at westwestnet.com. Here you can find amazing independent podcasts based in Aotearoa, covering everything from pop culture to mental health. Also, if you enjoy our content and want to support us, please consider clicking on the support button on the homepage of the website. We appreciate your patronage and look forward to delivering more thought-provoking and quality conversations. West West Michael, welcome to the podcast, bro. <laughs> Thank you. I think this is the third time we've uh, tried to get it done, and now we're finally here. It was the third time. I remember yeah. the second time you actually got to the driveway, managed to get out the car, and uh, yeah, you had to go home because you were sick. But uh, it was all good. It was all good because I think a lot of people around New Zealand were sick at that time with the COVID spread. Because I, I got, I got COVID. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if it was close to that time you came the first, the second time, but it was around that time. And man, I actually got that long, that long COVID. Is that the one that? Because you, 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 you call it two, eh? Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it, it, from all, all the people that I know have called it, it, it has affected everyone quite differently. And even now, I've still got symptoms of it. Um, like just talking, um, I'll lose my breath. And then, uh, then I, I might start in the, in the coughing fit. So just be prepared. Oh, shucks! Because that, that is a long COVID then. Because that's what they were saying. Like that can be after effects. And I got that for a week afterwards. Was the initial flu, which was to me felt like the normal flu. I just got, I just did the test, the rat test thing, and it was it was positive. Then okay, that's not so bad. I'm just got normal flu. It just feels like a normal flu. <coughs> so that lasted for three days. And then the fever went away, the blocked nose went away, but then it's just this constant tiredness, like a deep tiredness, like I never felt before, for a whole week after that. And it was like, like I tried to explain it to my, my workmates when we went back to work, because they were asking me, oh, what, what was it like? And like? What was it like? Because obviously they never got COVID yet. I was like the first, oh, second one in my work. But anyway, the best I could describe it was like, have you had a heat stroke before? Like when you're out on the sun and get heat stroke yeah. and tight, yeah, it felt like that. It felt like uh, a severe case of heat stroke where you're just really heavy and you're just constantly tired and you can't do anything. Like as soon as you lift a finger, that's half your energy of the whole week gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was a it was out of an experience, and I really hated the day. It was really bad. Like I couldn't do. I couldn't. I just felt. I just felt nauseous. You know, wanted to be up, but I couldn't. Just tired, 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 and can't do. Can't do nothing. Yeah, I think um, one of the the things that I had was um, um, after I recovered from like the flu stuff, um, I remember just sitting there watching TV and going, "I need to go to sleep. Why? Why do I need to go to sleep?" And it's like all of a sudden I'm asleep. It's like, how did that happen? I was I, I was telling myself not to fall asleep, but your body just put yourself down, and it's like then you wake up and it's like, I, I've just been asleep. I can't believe it. <laughs> It's like, what's the time? It's only nine o'clock in the mm. morning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so so you still got like some fix in that. Mm. Oh, gee. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Man, it's like, um, I don't know, because I remember when I, when I got over it, especially the, the long COVID, because it's called long COVID, eh? I felt like uh, you can open the borders now. I'm, I'm, I'm all right, I'm free. There's nothing to worry about. Open the borders. And I felt like that afterwards because people were just trying to, people had enough of water. 
lockdowns or the restrictions in there. And then, even though we've got down to orange, orange light, you're supposed to wear a mask when you're in the supermarket at the doctors. People are relaxed now, are you? I think they were relaxed, but at the same time, um, like, like I don't know about you, but we, um, we were really paying attention to all the numbers that were coming out, and so like you know we were there for the one o'clock um, updates and and listening to it and just looking at the numbers and just um, trying to understand how we were supposed to go into this peak and then it was supposed to plateau, but now even now like looking at the numbers, they're still very high numbers. Um, it's just that people aren't talking about it as much, um, you know, and then, like, you know, um, now that the borders are open, we can see people turning up just like, like, I see family members that didn't even know we're coming uh, are sitting over the North Shore. It's like, I didn't even know you're coming. <laughs> you're here. Mm. Yeah, because I see Samoa's opening up their borders in August. Oh, yeah. So now we can go. When was the last time we went there? Um, that would have been... Um, Probably 2017, I think it oh, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. About yeah. five years ago, mm. um, I I, um, I went with my mum because um, um, I went for my whaiwhai over um, in Salilonga. So it was a big, big event for it, and like um, um, didn't really know what to expect, um, and like. My mum was talking about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's all about you, all about you. And then I think we had, like, maybe 16 Mackay yeah. <laughs> on the same day. It's like, oh, it's not all about me. It's like all, of, all, all my cousins and family were here as well, and they were getting Mackay titles as well. It's like, oh, this is awesome. But, um, yeah, definitely an experience, but um, a whole um, a, a privilege um, just to be um, gifted the title that I was gifted um, from, um, from my mum. Which also um, kind of was a, a an um, a privilege for her to be able to to gift our family title to me um, from her grandfather. Mm. Mm. Oh, awesome! Oh, awesome. my dad. Oh, sorry, her dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Man, it's all, it's, man, it's so awesome to go back home, eh? Go back mm. to the islands, especially for holiday. You know, like you always don't want to come back home afterwards. Yeah, uh, it's relaxing. Yeah, and um, and people are so different. Like they they they're so grateful for you know the smallest of uh, things that you know they're appreciative of it. And um, I I remember sitting there watching a couple of the the little kids playing, and it's like you know they were spending. They I sat there for about an hour, and I was just watching these two little kids playing with not a car, not a toy car, but the wheel of a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how can these kids be just you know? Um, excited playing with just the wheel, you know, and our kids at home are like, you know, where's that, my controller's broken, like, what do I do now? Yeah. Life has stopped for me kind of thing. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's a good point. And that's, that's interesting and that's really cool that we're reminded of what life, about life when we see that kind of stuff, especially when we go back to summer because sometimes forget about, we don't appreciate some of these things that we take for granted, eh, living in New Zealand with technology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. But now it's all good. I think, I think, I think, because I had the I had the privilege and, and to go over there to work for for six months, and uh, yeah, it's man, it was it was really cool, man. It was it was sort of like paradise, working paradise, you know, like your family, man, your family's all there, you know, you, you're not bored because you can go to anyone's house and you know, you know, just a lot of things to do, like, and work was just easier. 
Oh, uh, I guess my experience of Samoa was a little bit different to yours, where um, like um, like I always felt like they treated us differently. Um, and even though we wanted to be out in the, you know, helping with the umu, it was like, no, no, you guys have to go yeah. sit inside. It was like, you know, so we wanted to be part of the, the natural life. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, it, it, it was just their way of, of thanking us for, because you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, they know how much we give back as well. So they appreciate when we come over and they also want to show us that they are for that that um back in in um as um their way of thanking us too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so any plans to go back when the borders open? Funny. My um my uh my auntie May, um her uh her birthday's on the first of May. Oh yeah. Which is why she's uh, uh, her name's May. Um and so last night uh, I get a phone call while I'm at rugby training. My sisters had FaceTimed Auntie May to, to talk to her. And that was the first thing she asked me. She said, oh, when are you coming back? Oh, Auntie, Christmas sounds so good. Christmas, <laughs> yeah. Not not which Christmas, but Christmas sounds good. Man, that's it's. it feels like, because it's been two years we've been stuck in this country. Like, man, people just got to go away and go now. Like, everyone's got their itch now, you know. Everything's coming down with the COVID around the world. Um, there's probably a few countries that you can just go and, you know, just travel, start traveling again because... I don't know, because I always thought that it's going to be a long time before things get really back to normal, like before COVID started, especially around the world, like, especially going back to the islands and stuff. Well, um, one of my boys is just coming back from Hong Kong. Um, so he was during, there during our red level. And um, as soon as the, the borders dropped, one of my other boys who came back because of COVID, um, his partner's in the UK, so they hadn't seen each other for about two and a half years. Um, so he booked the flight. He he's already been in back for like he was over there for three weeks. So you know, um, where there's a will, there's a way, and they, they, they'll find a way and and they'll get to travel. Yeah. Did you talk about COVID over there in Hong Kong? Hong Kong? Because isn't China like strict on there? Or is it Shanghai? Eh? Shanghai, they're really strict there. Eh? Yeah, there's the lockdowns and that. There's definitely um, um, I'd say a lot of um, uh, closed doors around information that's coming out of the the Asian areas. Um, so I know that uh, like Daniel, um, even though he was in Hong Kong, um, there was d- definitely areas in Hong Kong where you wouldn't actually go because it'd already been like locked down itself. But because of the, um, he's, he was in an area where it was quite a high, um, uh, like, you know, high population of, of overseas expats. Um, so it wasn't as bad for them because they, but the Asian people, you know, if they're told to wear a mask, they wear a mask. You know, they don't they don't ask questions; they just do what they're told, and that's also something that's helped them. Yeah. So, is he working over there? Or is he playing sport? Or? No, he's playing rugby over there. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's been because the sevens is still is there still a venue? Um, I think they did have. Uh, I know they did Singapore. Yeah, uh, they haven't opened Hong Kong back up oh, yet. Okay. But um, they did have a version of it, but it wasn't like an Asian version. Mm. How big is, is rugby over there, Hong Kong? Is it how's the structure of the clubs in that? Like? It's massive. Um, there's not as many clubs like the um, the competition that Daniel was playing in was like um, six teams. Um, most of it's filled with expats. Um, there's a real um, 
urgency to get their uh, development in for their their um, their their own um, Hongkongese um, players. Um, the women's game's growing really fast over there as well, um, but a lot of it is influenced by overseas. So they've brought in people to try and support them to develop. Um, in the in the sense, they're trying to develop so that they can keep up, not with the rest of the world, but to keep up with Asia because Asia's got a quite a big rugby community itself. Yeah, especially in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Because I'll be watching some of the the sevens. It's good to see them play again, especially Samoa, man. Did, did you watch Samoa games? Samoa's like you know he, they've been um like uh, the the dark horse of of this year. Especially because, like, you know, they had a bit of, like, you know, um, like, you know, that's just normal growing pains for the new team, new coaching stuff. Um, but they've definitely come through and they're really starting to, f- you can see the fruit in their labour coming through and they, they've played some awesome rugby. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've been real, real strong, eh? Yeah. They've been real fit and real strong. Um, yeah, they've been come close to beating New Zealand a few times, eh? And even, even the fact that, like, when you look at them, it's like, you know, for us, they they would be like no names. We don't know these. They're they're players that we've never seen before, and and again. So, but the the fact that um, I think one of the commentators they just talked about the 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 heart of Samoa, like you know that they they play with um, above their weight range because they they're they're, they're they're quite a small team, but honestly, their their, their talent just shows. Eh? Yeah, yeah, because. I don't know if you remember the article that came out about the training regime. Yeah. That, that Brandy Ma was. Yeah. The, yeah. And it was sort of like a controversial way because yeah, it was yeah. sort of like too much, too hard out. I think they were taking phones away and mm. not feeding them. And But, you know, it's working. Yeah. It's working. I mean, look look how they're playing. They're playing. I I, um, I watched the. Um, um, so they did an interview with, um, with uh, Brian. Um, they did an interview with him maybe a month or two afterwards. And. For every um, controversial um, thing that they talked about, there was an answer and a, and a why um, it happened. And like one of the the ones that I thought was funny was like, oh, um, they uh, the food restrictions. Like you know they 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 took food away from them. But then if um, if they, like when Brian talked about it, it's like we took the food away because they used the next someone outside the hotel to order food in. And um, part of the isolation restrictions is they can't use externals. They have to use the, the hotel um, caterers. And it's like, so that wasn't us. That was us just being playing by the rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, see? See, I yeah. never heard that. So yeah. it's good to hear the other side of it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense then if, you say, if, if we see both sides of a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a scathing report when I read the article. Massively, massively. It came in the social media, everyone was... All my boys are passing it on in the chat, like, man, look at this, like, man, how sad can you be? But yeah, see, you never, you have to know what both sides of the story are. Yeah, bloody media. But you know, whatever, how I train him, because I always thought when I saw them play with heart, and you know how tough they were, how how you know they're fast, they're tough. Just need to maybe strategic things, maybe to get get right. But they've they've got the physicality. They got the mentality and they got the speed, so they've got all those things to to win the whole 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 um whole tournament. The more time they, the more time they'll spend together, the better it'll be for them. And like you know, you you look at the the teams that are on the circuit at the moment. 
a lot of them have uh, are um, established teams that have been playing together for a long time. Even with New Zealand, like you look at New Zealand, um, it's it's still an established team. There's still um, a big core that they take, and then they they bring in new players. So, you know, the team of the future is going to be Samoa in two years' time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and these will be household names. Too. Yeah, yeah. Just 100%. like Fiji was when Serbia was there, like all those years that he played became a household name and stuff. So, yeah, that's cool, and it's cool that these are local players too. So it's people from the island, you know, that we can we can finally look up to when they when they step on the field but yeah man it's good it's good to see other countries come up too like you know Kenya had their time I think USA is pretty strong now eh? yeah. Australia we all bag Australia for 15 game but they're pretty good in the 7s they're pretty good in the 7s yeah. um, probably USA is going to be <clears throat> probably the the one that's going to be the toughest to beat um, with with the way that they're um, they're developing their team <clears throat> so you can definitely see that, like they're 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 developing on speed, and like you know, uh, in a game of sevens, speed is the winner, you know. Um, and if uh, if they've got speed, size, everything else will start clicking together. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna get your thoughts on on USA rugby um, for a minute because there's always talk of them being a sleepy giant all the time, and I think it's because of the way the NFL is and the money they've got. And you know there are programs, and especially with American football, baseball, and and basketball. And you know, in a, a lesser degree, um, soccer's come up now. They've got the soccer, but and th- and that's why I think that's where the same sleeping giant comes from because we know what they can do with those sports. I think rugby is is a different story because rugby will be in competition with NFL, with the with the, with the player type, you know, and. NFL's got more money, so they'll eat them up, I think. So I think it's a... I don't know if I'm wrong, but I don't know what your thoughts on that, but I don't think it's a case of a sleeping giant. I think it's a case of trying to put rugby in the forefront of... or on the same level as past soccer up to where NBA is and NFL, which I think won't happen. <coughs> Personally, I think that um, like when you think about NFL... Uh, college football, high school football, um, there's a, there's a, 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 it's all, it's all driven by this pyramid, like, you know, you have a big base of players, and then each time you take the next step up, you'll lose a number of players, um, as you keep going up, and then it's only that, that cream of the crop that gets into the NFL, so what happens to all the other players? <clears throat> Very similar to here in, um, in New Zealand with first 15, you know, We've got a real big, big build-up of, of players, player base with our first 15 across all schools, and then as as they take the next step up, you know, some will some will come through, but what happens to the other ones? And <clears throat> they're the ones that we're really looking for um, at club level. Um, with um, USA Rugby, um, I, I see a lot of converts that are starting to come through, and like you know, then it's just a, a mindset ch- um, shift. That they have to go through. It's not like you know, um, you know, especially if you've got your, you've built your whole life to be an NFL player, and now you've got to reassess where is your next step going to be. And um, rugby provides that opportunity because they get to use these same skill sets that they've been working on for all those years. So the um, the value of rugby will be as the alternative to 
to to to being in a professional um, American football career um, could be something that they see. I think the other side of it is it's a global game. You know, again, it's opening about a different market that people wouldn't normally see. Like you, you don't necessarily go out um, and play American football anywhere else in the world. Um, it's a little bit bigger in Japan. There is a, a good Japanese league. And um, back in the, the late 90s, um, there was a, a good European league as well. Um, but um, from what I've seen, it seems to have come all back to, to, to the States where rugby is definitely going to um, provide that next step. Then it's going to come down to dollars. Um, who gets who, who? Who's the financial backing for this? Um, which is why we've seen, like you know, the biggest um, shift for mindset for for All Blacks was to actually put a, a sponsorship logo on, on on their chest. That was massive for them. But who, who, where did it come from? It came from a major sponsor. It wasn't those weren't like you know dollars and cents. Those were massive amounts of money that that made that mind shift so and then um and giving back like that's why we've got these games happening in the states it's all part of that promotion you know so that's that's all a build up for it if the usa gets like you say most of the players due to the players that fall off the nfl wagon and got as alternative come down and then you're right after that is is the money side of things so I think what they've got at the moment, good starting off point of the, with their, with their major league rugby, the MLR they've got there, just build on that with those kind of players that come down. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and and then even that, even in saying that, so before MLR kicked off, um, they really started putting in a lot of effort to develop their high schools, to put um, uh, rugby into their college program. So um, there's a whole heap of work that's. Um, it's it's like all that unseen work that's happening in the background, um, where you'll see now MLR take on some of because like they talk about like they're, they're doing draft for for MLR um, across colleges like where oh, they really? yeah they're doing that. yeah they're doing that and it's like what do they have the player base <laughs> for that and then you look at the MLR at the moment like you know. Um, I I almost see it, and and these are all my personal reflections too. It's not not something that um, that, that people should take seriously. Um, it is what it is. Um, but I see um, MLR as almost eighty percent is is foreigners within that, and because mm. um, like we even at, at Ponsonby we we lost. Um, I think there's maybe six players over there. From the club, from the club, yeah, yeah, yeah. who are also Auckland rugby players as well, mm. um, are playing over there at the moment. Yeah, so because when does their season start? Like, is it? It's obviously it's outside our NPC season. Yep. So their <clears throat> their season, I think, started back in, um, I'm saying February. It, it started quite early, um, and they should all be done and dusted by May, okay. <clears throat> which is the, the reason why um, some of our our NPC players have taken the option that where <coughs> where they didn't make the uh, Super Rugby team, they can still play professional rugby overseas and playing in MLR, and it's good for the for the unions as well, is because they get to, those players get to play high level rugby um, during their off season and they come back um, ready ready to go. Yeah, that that can that club connection with overseas is really important, and uh, I learned that when when Nigel Chang he came on. 
And he was talking about how how Wadamata has those contacts overseas with you know coaches going over to coach other club teams in overseas UK, but they have that connection. Then they probably get players to go. So all these pathways, eh, to for a job, professional job. Well, in rugby <coughs> overseas, you know? I, I talk about my boys and like um, I've got three boys there that are still heavily involved in rugby and. They've used rugby as a vehicle to to travel the world. So, <clears throat> for for me, because um, 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 so my wife's Croatian, and so uh, like one of my boys, um, he ended up going over there, um, and he he went to to play rugby in the Netherlands, and it's like when he told me, it's like, do they play rugby in the Netherlands? It's like, yes, that yeah, and they've got a competition. I'm like, okay, yeah, well. You know, good, good on you. Um, you know, go, go, go. Um, create memories and 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 it's an opportunity. But then, um, a guy from White Matter called me and said, "Hey, um, I know your son's overseas, Have you, and I know that your wife's Croatian. Do you think he would play for Croatia?" And so I I rang him, and the coach contacted him and he goes, "Hey, come down and you can trial." So he ended up playing two seasons for Croatia. Oh, really? Like mm. the country? Mm. So he can't play for any other country now. So, uh, well, he's because um, he's had, had COVID um, has helped him because he, now he's he's stood down for three years, so he's he's oh, eligible yeah. again. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about their rule that they. Yeah. So yeah, he he ended up traveling half of Europe, um, playing for Croatia because he ended up making the the fifteens and their sevens team. So he was on the sevens circuit for Croatia as well. It's like you know, um, I'm getting messages from him, and it's like. You're visiting places that are on my bucket list, and you're doing it for free. Um, and and, um, and it's like far out, son. And then I've got another son who um, who played some. Uh, he did his um, tutorship over in Ireland, and ended up playing a bit of um, a bit of rugby in Ireland. Um, Travelled a bit of the, the UK, um, came home, did a season here, and then <clears throat> ended up going to Hong Kong. Um, and uh, did a season over in Hong Kong, um, and while he was in Hong Kong, got contacted by Northland to come and play up in Northland. Ended up playing an NPC season for Northland last year. So um, again, it's it's not the the normal way of of doing your normal pathway to, to rugby, but people are doing it, and they're finding ways of of still doing um, what they love and creating and opening doors at the same mm. time. It's probably. Cool that rugby is New Zealand's number one sport because it allows this, these pathways to happen. Yeah, 100%. and it's something that probably I don't know that I don't, I'm just speaking back, back when I was in school. You know, no, there's no one that tells you this is a pathway. You know, this is just play for your school, play because you enjoy the game. But you enjoy the game without any without any any future ahead for it. If you know what I mean. And and these days, like, see all these names that go overseas when get contracts to play overseas that that probably go all the way to club level and then take off overseas before they even get a chance to play NPC or Super Rugby go through that puffy. But but, you know, five years down the track they've been all over around the world. Earning earning a lot more money than they would well, job out down here. You know? uh, um a, a lot of the um the attraction to New Zealand is the prestige of, of playing for our, our New Zealand teams. And um, you, like I know that Jap- the Japanese market has opened up so much that um, like the attraction to, to for the dollar in Japan, <coughs> in the UK, France, 
is definitely going to be a draw for for a lot of our players. So um, you know, it, I um, probably the the player that I would um, relate that to more than anyone else <coughs> is Charles Piotel. At the p- pinnacle of being at the highest level of, of New Zealand rugby, made the decision to go overseas um, with the intention of supporting his family. So you know that's when you you, you know that like you know um, like uh, for sport, you know you're it's only a small window in your life, and you've got to make the most out of it. And, and he made that decision, which was courageous on him. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, a lot of people would have been looking and going, Charles, you could have been an all-black for, like, the next 10 years, you know, and, but, you know, once you've, it's like you, you've done that, so what's next, yeah? yeah? Um, for my generation, um, like, when I was growing up, um, sport was never uh, never part of our career conversation. It was always um, education. And and I remember like you know how hard my parents were on us um, around education and and like you know um, we've done well, um, but like I I was the I would say I had a tough time in my in my high school years and didn't do as well as I should have I I got by um, and but I made the decision to move to Oz straight after school just to start a fresh life and. And then it was only when I came home um, in my 40s that I decided, oh, actually, well, actually, my sister decided for me, you should go back to uni. You should go to uni. I said, why? I was like, well, you know, you've been doing the same thing for the last 20 years. This is your chance. And it's like, I'm so thankful to my sister for pushing me because I ended up getting a degree, um, ended up changing my whole career path. And um, What were you doing before in Australia? uh, So, um... <clears throat> While I was here, I was like every typical island kid that um, found a job in retail. So I used to work at the food town up in Greyland. Um, did that for, I, I got a job when I was 15. And so I was doing work and school at the same time. Um, when I left school, when I got to Oz, retail was real easy to, to get a job in. So I ended up getting a job and, and doing a few management courses and ended up um, managing stores over in, um, over in Oz. And I, I did the same thing when I came back here for a, for a couple of years, before I, I jumped on to the um to going back to study. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then what were you studying communications or? No, I um so I've always had a passion for um for sports and um uh I I've been doing a bit of coaching um I did a bit of coaching while I was in Oz and I did a bit of coaching over here and I thought oh you know this would be a good time to um. If I was going to to look at my career path, um, do something that I that's that's I'm passionate in. So I did a, a bachelor in sports and coaching, and going into it into my first year, um, m- like my whole focus was that I'd become a, a professional coach. And I remember <coughs> my first two um, lectures was one was on psychology, and the other one was on, on anatomy. And I was thinking. I'm here for a coaching degree. When when do I go to the field? <clears throat> but um, ended up doing my 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 three year degree, and um, and I think the big thing that I realised during that is that you go in that one door, but then you come out and you've got multiple doors in front of you. So I never expected to come out with a, a coaching um, degree, or um, and then I ended up doing a, a postgrad in teaching, 
and then I ended up getting a job at Sport Sport Waitakere. So um, it, it, it led me down a different path, but it's a path where um, where I think I've fa- fallen into something where I'm actually it's part of my DNA, and it's probably part of your DNA as well. You know, service to our community is always part of our Pacifica community um, our DNA, and and the role that I'm doing is very much our service to the community. So working for Sport Waitakere, I've heard of them for a long time. How long have they been around? Um, so I think we've, um, I think we celebrated our thirtieth year last okay. year, yeah. um, and I've been working for them for the last nine years. Um, and when I got the, my my job with them, I had no idea what they did. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I had no idea, but um, <clears throat> um, yeah, there was a c- couple of diff- good definitions I got from different people. Like you know, oh, Sport Waitaki, they must take care of all the pro athletes in, in West Auckland, um, or or they run major sporting events. It was like, and then when I got to uh, to uh, actually um, join the team, it was like they didn't do any of that. <laughs> it's like. What do they do? I was like, well, they serve the community, but they serve the community in the way that, um, that, uh, and this is me talking my my sport Waitakere talk is like, um, they serve the community by responding to the community's needs, you know, not not um, not coming in with um, with this is how you do it, and we want you to do the same thing. It's like, actually, we'd want to know what you do. And then we can help you better, kind of approach. Through sport, yep. Sport, um, active recreation is a, a big thing now. Um, something that uh, is quite um, um, a new area for me to kind of think about, because I've always thought of it as a, as a natural thing. Is play plays a part of it as well. And um, like I was telling you um, before we started, um, sitting um, in Samoa. Outside, outside the valley and just watching two little kids play, not with a whole toy car, but just the wheel of a car, and they spent an hour um, just playing between themselves as this wheel. It's like, that's their version of play. I've seen many different versions of play, whether it be, it be in a cultural sense or, you know, uh, a, a, a formal structured sense, like, you know, with rugby and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's quite unique when you when you take away your perception of it and you leave yourself open to, to seeing it in its raw form. So so when you say we're not going to tell you what to do, we're going to let the people tell us yeah. where to go. Yeah. So say, say when, like, that's a that's an analogy with that kid with the, with the wheel. So, okay, you guys like playing wheels? Yeah. We'll, we'll help you play more with wheels. Well, <laughs> how, how's it work, like... Like through sport, like I'm trying to think because when I think because I'm really like narrow minded, like sport, I'm thinking of just rugby, basketball, mm. soccer. Yeah, but I'm not including like cycling, outdoor yep. activities, play. Yeah, like playing in the playground. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like what kids do in their spare time, bar playing PlayStation all day, outside playing hit and roll. I don't think they play hit and roll anymore. Yeah, kids. Oh, they do. They do. Do they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, I think the, the the thing that like you know um, when you think about what we do is um, so for example there's so many different levels of what we do and there's also it, it's um, it, like it's like a spider web so um, our team will be working on their own thing 
but at the same time it's connected to someone else's work or or multiple people's work across the across our group so it, when that one person's working on that they're actually helping um, other people with their, their their work at the same time so how does the <laughs> engagement start and how does it start for each of you in your team like in, to engage in the public how does that start a lot of it comes down to um to so w- schools are a controlled environment so you know that like you know because i i work in the school area like i'll always know that um my first point of contact is going to be a principal where um uh, in the community it it could be um someone that is not necessarily the chair or the president of a club but um the coach in the club and which gives you access to the the rest of the that 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 um that sub community within the club um so i'd say parents and yep of the kids and yep people yep yeah. and then like <coughs> like if you if you're thinking about like you know like juniors and and so who are the the main influences of those junior groups is it the club the coach or the parents you know and then so <clears throat> when you kind of realize that it's like um the the child themselves is restricted on the choices that are given to them by the influences on that child that's where you want to try and make um make change like you know make changes to to support um <clears throat> so i always look at it as like you know if you have um um there's been ma- massive campaigns around behavior on the sideline <clears throat> and so it's not the kids that we need to change it's the it's how we support our our um our kids as, as spectators as coaches um to be able to play their game and like you know no one goes there to shout at someone else's kid when you go down to the field you're going down there to support your kid it's just in the way that you support your kid maybe not necessarily the way other people would like you to support your kid <clears throat> so uh, i'm sure you've done it and uh, as many many other parents have like you know or all grandparents have turned up to watch a game and go hey i'll give you a dollar for every try you score <laughs> so the intention is is that you're going to do it's something good for the kid to reward the kid but what you've done is you you've um, actually changed the dynamic of the kid playing now he's greedy yeah <laughs> now he's holding on to the ball because yeah. he wants to score more tries to get yeah. more dollars and then how many other kids have been told the same message who turn up on on game day is like actually you know i could come out of this and, I, and i've got money in my pocket it's for every kid so they, they they lose the dynamic of actually playing the game because that we've changed the goal for them rather than just being there to have fun, we've told them to, to go score a try to, to, to get a dollar. So this little situation <laughs> you've like identified, then that's when you come in and help yep. that situation? Yep. Lots of, in, lots of information. Um, it's not something where um, like we can make um, uh, recommendations. Um, to help support change and that could be just like you know um, having a conversation with a group of adults out, outside that that, that space um, it could be an information that we share through a video um, it could be information that we share through um, by talking to the, the club chair and the, the development coaches for for all the juniors so it's a philosophy that needs to, that is embedded 
by making little changes that make out big changes. You know when we talk about the guy that's greedy, like he's trying to win that one game and not worried about, he's not thinking about, you know, the, you got to win the series of games, so you got to help your team play. It's like a team thing. you got to always, you know, you, you can't be that, that guy. <laughs> well, you can't be that guy, but at the same time, um, like, you know, then, then, then there's stuff that um, in, uh, I can use myself as a real as a real-life example. Like, you know, um, I remember, like, you know, um, going to watch my kids play. Um, intention was just to support them as much as I can. Um, but then on the ride home, like, how many times have you um, been... Be the coach. <laughs> yeah, you're coaching them. It's like, you know, why did you do this? And, like, why didn't you do that? And it's like, and, and they're looking, they're sitting in the car. It's like, do they want to get in the car with you anymore? Because they know it's coming. So how can we change that? And, like, you know, one of the things that's really kind of changed me in the way I approach going to watch my kids play is that, um, that I'm there as, um, as a parent first and I tell them that I'm here to enjoy them playing, not ju- not to judge them, not to coach them, but I just want them to have fun. And then the, the, my experience has actually uh, improved to, uh, for, for watching them play because now it's not about those those goals of you know winning the game. It's like, well, how how did you go in the game? Did you enjoy the game? How did you interact with your your mates? You know. And having, and you'll see it, is that um, the teams that um, that look at scoreboards are, are probably the teams that will not sh- not share their happiness as much whether they win or lose. You know, you can see it in the way they they um, their culture is within their own their own group. You know, is it a positive culture or is it a culture where they start picking on each other as soon as something goes wrong? Like blaming one kid for yeah. l- losing the game if he drops the ball or something like that. Last second. Yeah, or stop <laughs> passing to him. It's like, yeah. why didn't you pass to him? It's like, oh, because he always drops the ball. You never give him a chance. And, you, you know, you've got to make those changes, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard, like, over social media and things I've read about when political correctness gets into the the, the games, the sports. Yeah. You know, with the, part, non-part, or the participation yeah. awards. Yeah. Like you, you just get a everyone gets a award. Like, do you believe in that sort of thing? Do you believe in or or there, there was a case in America where they don't they don't have a scoreboard for the soccer game because they don't want kids when they lose to be sad, you know, at the end of the game. Like, I don't know, but because when I think about competition, us as human beings, like we need to know where we're at, you know, to climb that hierarchy, you know, like. I think, um, like, because I've come through the through two different systems. I've come through that that system where um, it's a win at all cost system, um, and I've also uh, come through a system where um, where the um, results isn't the the defining factor. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, because um, uh, again, it's something that I've experienced. Um, through my own learnings is that like you know having really good intentions and like you've talked we've talked about like you know um giving positive reinforcement to a child when they're playing and you 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 you, you um you the intention is that you're you're um you're creating a a healthy environment for them to develop 
but then I've also heard it on the opposite side where um, they talk about it as that um, they're, you're creating a false sense of, of security for them because every time you're telling them doing, they're doing so well, mm. that's what they, they assume well looks like. Mm. Um, so they start relating to that when, in actual fact, that version of well is not the well that's like everyone else has got their, their benchmark to. Mm. So, um, so is there like a balance? Is there a system where the balance is both? There, there is, um, um, and, and I think the balance is, is that um, it, it takes it back down to why why you want to be part of whatever you're doing. You know, um, there has to be something where there's a connection for that person that to be there. You know, um, you, you can only have um, you can only be be told so many times before you go actually I've had enough and you'll you'll walk away um, where you know a person that's self-motivated to do it mm. will continue on doing it yeah yeah because that's a that's what you want to filter out in the end of the day those those kids that want to that that love what they do yeah. and then they get to that level where they stop at nothing to get to the top or be, be the best yeah so so they're, they're creating their own benchmarks when they turn up and that's what motivates them it's it's not so much um um like you know it's not the dollar that's at the end of the, the mm. day it's more about um them just making themselves better so and by making themselves better they they actually lift lift everyone else around them at, at the same time i guess it's it's trying to harness that competitiveness in kids um, yeah whatever sport you're, you're coaching or you know, whatever sport your kid chooses to play. Like, as a parent, like, you see the extremes with, uh, I don't know if you heard of um, Lamar Ball, Lamar Ball, with yeah. his kids, uh, yep. how he sort of talked them into <laughs> going to the NBA, yep. talked them into existence sort yep. of thing. But uh, that's those parents that that want, want, their, want to live their dreams through their kids. Yeah. Get those parents. And then sometimes the kid gets to a stage where they, oh, no, nah, that's not me. I am um, one of the, because I'm very, I'm very lucky that um like you know um my kids are are very um sporty kids, um but one one of the things that I really kind of talk to them about is that um that sport isn't their identity, you know if you take away sport they're still they're still a human they're still 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 the, the, them as an individual. And I want them to understand that, like, you know, um, when I come down, I'm not there to support my rugby kid. I'm there to support my kid, you know, whether he be playing rugby or if he's at the beach you know, or if he's standing at a barbecue cooking cooking food. We're there to support our kids the way they are. Um, and that, like, you know, um, we want them to, to feel that. And, and I've seen it so many times in in, in the way sport has uh, has turned players out and what drops off so um having that balance that of um not creating identities where that's their only identity is going to be the thing that makes a difference to our community <clears throat> a really good example of that is like you know with rugby league um i know that um uh aussie's been coming across and taking our young kids you know, as young as 13 across to, to as the new best thing because that's where they are at their age group. But that doesn't mean they're going to be the, the best thing when they're 18, 19, 20. 
that's just um, that's just where they are in their development stage. And so, you know, we've had a number of kids, a number of families who have banked on their kid being the next best thing, and then all that pressure is, uh, you know, where does it come? Where, where does it end? And we've, that's why we've had um, kids who have turned away from the game um, because they've just had too much pressure on them, too much expectation, you know, um, put on the kids, and they've lost the fun of the reason of of being part of, part of that game, um, you know, and um, and so what what I really want to do, and I I've seen organisations that are, are really focused on that, and 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 even our our ex professional players have come back to give back to our communities is picking up the ones that are left behind the ones who have been you know given the dream and then you know they get to under 20s um they turn 21 there's a new batch of kids coming through under 20s and they're just cut there and then and there it's like well what happens to them well we've we're the ones that are now picking up the pieces to try and help them Mm. yeah yeah i think Rugby league in ways is an extreme case because, like you said, like how guys, how kids get under that big pressure of performing and they're forced by their parents. Even those cases where those kids commit suicide uh, up in up in Brisbane and in, in Sydney, which is sad. It's uh, and again, like uh, there's there's so many things that we can help them with that are preventable before it gets to that situation. Like I said, like you know. If, if we treat our kids that they're um, and we give them the identity where they understand themselves and they we're giving them the opportunity to to understand themselves, then they won't place uh, their identity on a sport that actually is only a small part of their life. Mm. Because when we talk about helping these kids, like I feel like maybe the NRL visit the NRL have responsibility as well. Yeah. I know they've got they hired um, uh, Nigel Vangana to look after the island kids. What to do with their money? Because you know they don't know how to spend their money in that. Um, he he does that la- liaison. He's that liaison guy for the yeah. Pacific Island kids over there, yeah. over here too. So yeah, it's 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 when you get to the, the big money business there, eh, like the NRL. Um, well, well, yeah, they, then then they're no longer people. They're just um um they're just numbers on a sheet, and then it comes down to performance and like it, they're looking at. You know, um, at data rather than looking at the human self. So, you know, w- when you kind of like, when it does get to that point, um, then you really gotta have a um, a support network around you to keep you grounded. Because, you know, you, again, it's like you know, the people around you will shape who you're going to be for that part of your life. And, you know, if, if like. A good example is um, Reese Wash, you know, and the, and the, the the bit of trouble they got he got into beginning of this year. <clears throat> Again, who were who was around him to protect him from and, and help him with his choices? Because those are the people that you need to make sure, um, especially when they they have success so early, that you put um, people there to to help protect him, and sometimes protect him from himself. You know, um, is a is a big part of it too. I think um, I think Benji Marshall had that protection when he was younger. Eh? That's why he's, he saved us all his money. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you, you I I I see it more here in in our rugby union players, especially our Pacific Island players, um, that they have learnt a lot of lessons. Um, you know, um, there was an article quite recently around with uh, 
Fenwell's off Tungafasi, um, how he's entered the property market. You know, there's yeah, if you knew back then how much your house was gonna cost like, you know, twenty years ago, you would be buying four houses in, in West Auckland or you wouldn't sell your house in, in, in Greylin because you know how much it would be this now. Um so, you know, um again it's just having the right people around to to advise, um, uh, um, not to tell, but to advise, and to to provide the big picture. It's an interesting point you said. How you know there's that point where you're, when you're a professional player, the league you play for just look at you as a as a body, as a number. Not so. When 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 do when do they start realizing that, or how young, or how, when do these kids start realizing that they are just a number? And you know, you're in professional sport. You're, 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 what you got to do is to train, look after your body, make sure you last as long as you can, because if there's an injury that cancels your whole whole rugby career, what have you got to fall back on? I think uh, I think now, um, and it's probably a message that's been been shared um, across a, a number of different sports is just like you know, have a plan B, um, you know. Um, you know, even with um, you know our NFL example, like um, all those kids, they have to go through a college system. All those kids are now um, you know treated as academics first, rather than just being a sports student. So um, you know, stuff that's happening over here is very similar. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely always going to be um, things that fall through the cracks, um, but. I, I, you know, the responsibility comes down to, um, for the child themselves, is that you know we are their caretakers, um, we are the ones that help that are there to give them guidance. Um, we are also the ones that will help, um, that will receive guidance if we if we're willing to accept it. You know, um, you know like you know if if. If you're the parent that's um, that is there for the well-being of your of your child with, with whatever they're doing, then you will accept guidance as part of it, um, as part of protecting your child. Mm. Yeah. You know, we're working for sport, uh, sport Waitakere. Like from when you started until now, what 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 changes have you seen, or what what are some of the things that have have, have grown from when you started mm. until now? I think the biggest change for me is, is um, like, um, so I, I grew up with a very Whāsāmoa um, upbringing, um, and then when I moved across to Australia, so I lived in Sydney for about um, uh, 12 years, and uh, sorry, maybe 10 years, and then 8 years in Canberra, and Canberra is very similar to Christchurch, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, um, you know, to people polite, it's 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 we were one of two Pacific Island families in our neighbourhood that went to the to the schools in our area. So, you know, um, <clears throat> we we didn't um, have the the cultural upbringing that I had when I was growing up here. Um, and then I was very fortunate because like all my kids, I've got five kids, all my kids are Australian born. Um, but when coming here, we were able to provide them. The um, the network of the village <laughs> raises a family. We were able to provide them um, a cultural sense of identity themselves, and we were also um, they also understood that like you know 
what we uh, were um, bringing them into was a core set of values that actually reflects across all our families. <clears throat> um, so when my my um, my journey with um, Sport White Tarkety, um has kind of mirrored some of the stuff that's gone through as as my own life milestones. You know, um, um, reconnecting with my own culture, coming back after being away for for so long. Um, I, I've I started a um, a journey within um, uh, a Maori worldview, um, which has also supported me in understanding my uh, my Samoan culture a lot better, because um, there is definitely parallels that we we have. Um, it's not exactly the same, uh, and far from it. But there's definitely things that, like um, uh, protocols, um, uh, just life lessons that I've learned. Um, being, being at Sport Waitakere, um, utilizing my, um, my, um, my 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 journey has helped me understand my my Pacific journey as well. Um, the other the other big changes that we've had is that um, um, we've definitely moved um, from being um, sport focused to to having a more um, rounded um, understanding with um, the addition of healthy families Waitakere. Um, so they're a, a um, initiative that's funded by Ministry of Health. So having Ministry of Sports and then Ministry of Health um, merged together has given us a, a more rounded approach to our community. So we're not just going out there to um, to to pump up basketballs and 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 show kids how to throw a ball. We're also asking them like you know um, how they feel um, you know. How, what's happening in their lives, um, how are their families, or um, what's contributing to their lives as well. So there's 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 a bit of a food journey, there's a bit of um, a well-being journey, as alongside that that physical activity component. So that's all starting to merge together, which is I think I feel is um is probably why I've stayed at Sport Waitakere for so long, is because now I'm starting to get more of a, um, a holistic um, uh, work practice that I identify with as well. Yeah, yeah. especially these days with, with, with the mental health mm-hmm. and um, the sort of suicide rates yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. I think even more so with the, with, with the government. Like the being, I've heard they're being criticised a lot for not putting effort into the, the mental health. Like or, or, or there's a lot of money being pumped in, but the result's still the same. But it's good that see see with you merging with the Ministry of Health, tackle the the mental health side of things. It, it helps, you know, every little bit helps. Hmm. <coughs> so I was cool that that's the reason why you're one of the reasons why you're you're there for a long time. Sport, yeah. So man, I just wanna like I'm just wanna I just wanna get your opinion on like um like. Like funding, because we talk no not for sport by tackling, but we were talking before we came on the podcast about about how her basketball is so expensive, you know. And just 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 last last week we just came back from Wanganui. My son was playing in the in the hoop hoop, hoop nation down there, and man, I had to fork out all the money for his fees, and you know, then it seems like there's no help, and there was no help when the COVID hit. Because remember when the government was giving out money to the sports. Nipple got some money, rugby got some money. Basketball had wasn't in the 
wasn't even in there. So, and and the stories you hear stories like with with why Stephen Adams doesn't come back and play for the for the Torbacks because no one looked after him when he was young. So he had to go for his own way. I think it was it was, it was Kenny Mack that helped him find his own pathway. So I think yeah, it seems like basketball does get a raw deal here 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 here, here in New Zealand. Probably, um, like my answer to funding is is that um, I'll I'll kind of strip it right back now. So, um, if our kids wanted to to play um, in any sport, um, what's the contributing fact to that um, to the cost? A lot of it comes down to the structure of the organisation. So, you know, there's nothing stopping us from you know um, from starting our own like yourself starting a basketball competition, you know, how many players do you need to start off with? You only need 10. You could, you could actually only, you only need six, three on three. Yeah. And you, and just to, to have a place to do it. And um, That's so true. Cause, but people have started doing that. I mean, the Hoop Nations uh, is that. Um, I think Sephora with his uh, First Nation basketball, the Polynesian basketball at the Trust, it does have year, every year. So that's another one. But these are not affiliated with New Zealand, New Zealand basketball. These guys are probably frustrated with. I know there's Auckland City basketball. I know uh, Lindsay Tate. He runs the Auckland side of things, and I think they have even got different clubs around Auckland. They've got the the I think it's the Wolfpack, oh. the, the West Wolfpack, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. In Newland, he's got City Bath, the Auckland City one, and they paid eggs. Yeah. Oh, Auckland boys. So, so so when you talk about that yeah. you know people will find alternatives on to, on on being able to to play the the game that they want so like you know um you know what what is the benefit of, of being in a in a big um organization with the structure with the, the many structures they have to follow because the more tiers you have the more money has to be um has to be accumulated to fund all those different tiers where if you took it back to the core and you said, okay, so my kid is only 12 years old, does he need to go to a big competition to play basketball? Or would he be? Would it be just better for us to, to play a local thing where they get to pl- play you know, every second day rather than waiting just to play once a week? Now they've got an opportunity to play more times, to enjoy the sport more times and develop themselves more. Um, and what what was that cost that they 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 need to try um that we need to kind of um to 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 fill um you know do the do kids really need the fanciest uniform to to play uh, play their sports um not necessarily but who's who's benefit factor who's the benefit of of having those fancy uniforms is it the kid is it the organisation or is it the the group that's supplying the uniform? Because everyone's going to get something out of it. So each time we put someone something into it, it's going to make our sport a lot more expensive. So you know, like um, where we where we're here at now is we got to really kind of like you know um, weigh up the cost of having our kids involved in in that specific sport and like you know um, make the choices. You know, like you know, um, like you, like you said, like you know, with Pacific First Nation, they made the choice. You know, is this an opportunity where we can just 
cater for our community. We're not affiliated to anyone, but we're going to cater for our community, and then we can control the costs. And then, like, you know, if enough of our community members turn around and say, hey, we can't afford, you know, to play at the Trust Stadium, so so where do we play? We'll look for an alternative that isn't isn't as um, as glitzy as as having this massive facility, but still, they'll, it'll still be the same size court. It'll have basketball hoops on either side of of the the court. You can still play your basketball without having to to fork out the, the extra amounts of money. Yeah, it's when we we start putting um, the extra tiers. That's when I where I think feel that that's where the extra um, costing comes in but if we are, are true to ourselves and true to to what we're trying to give our kids then how can we reduce the those extra tiers so that it makes it more affordable for our, our kids just to be able to have those opportunities these tiers are this is how New Zealand basketball is structured because yeah I understand it's good for the kids because they've got a lot of options now so but it's to me it feels like the reason why, the reason why Sifu and Lizzie Tate have started their own things, because the the main the main New Zealand basketball pathway is 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 not is not really good. It's not a good it's not a good path. It's like it's like if someone starts their own NPC, yeah. you know. Oh, we're gonna we're not gonna affiliate with the we're not gonna be affiliated with New Zealand rugby. We're gonna start our own a club competition here. It's like that. We we don't have to because it's all all sweet. Yeah, and but but that's the that's the challenges that comes alongside making those those courageous decisions, is that where you you make that choice, um, you you need to understand where that sits on where that next door is going to be because um, because you're closing the door to by providing more opportunities, you may end up um, uh, you open one door but you close another. And you need to you need to go in with it um, with your eyes wide wide open and, and be reflective of that, and then go oh yeah well for this time period we're 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 able to commit to to doing this because we know that you know um, when our son turns fifteen he'll be able to make that choice and if he wants to go back into the system then it'll be his choice not. A choice where um, where it puts pressure on on him because his family has to pay an exorbitant amount for him to participate in, in a sport that he's just having fun in. Mm. Yeah, it just seems so messy <coughs> the whole basketball situation in yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, you know, and I think the the thing is for the kids to have a pathway to play professionally. Now, it doesn't mean playing in the NBA because you know NBA is the pinnacle. But there's other options, you know. You can go, you can go to Europe. Yep. You can play in those comps. You can play in the NBL. You can play in the Australian league. You know, you, you can go, probably go to China. You know, so there's all these other alternatives that I feel like there needs to be that option, just like, just 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 like what rugby does. Yep. Have those pathways to play overseas, from club rugby, go overseas, like play basketball here for a club, and then go overseas and play, play, play professionally, or go to a We'll go to a college in the states and have a chance to play there. Like, um, is it, as long as those pathways are not blocked, even though we've got all these different leagues, all these different organize, basketball organizations, gives our kids more opportunity to play basketball. But as long as there's that pathway to play professionally, I think um, um, one of the 
the big things that I've kind of um, I I I 100% agree to is is that um, kids who play multiple sports um, actually are, are more rounded as as athletes themselves. Um, so you know. Um, Playing multiple sports actually gives you a lot of transferable skills, um, and it also helps you um, develop a a, a a more rounded sense for yourself as well. So there, there's sports where you you could be the individual. There's sports where you can be a, a team player. There's sports where you know um, where you a, a end up being the um, a, a coach within within the your own sports. So, um, you know, playing multiple sports is actually, and there's been heaps of studies on it where kids have um, ha- have um, specialised too early, and then they've um, they've actually either burnt themselves out or they've lost their passion for for that activity that they were doing. You know, you you kind of look at um, swimming as as a, a as an example. Um, With swimming, um, kids can be doing, or you know, athletes that can be doing up to um, thirty plus hours um, pool time just for training. That's not even part of the the, the um, competing side of it. Um, but at the, uh, so that's a huge commitment. Is a and the, depending on how old the child is, that's a commitment on the child. A commitment on their family, a com- commitment on the coaching staff, a commitment on the facility. Um, so, you know, when you kind of look at how much how much has been invested in it, um, guaranteed people are looking for some kind of return. Um, it's the same with gymnastics. Gymnastics is quite is very similar to to the time frames that we're looking at, and even younger kids. Um, you know, uh, where I I, I kind of highlighted before is that. It's that intrinsic motivation for kids to be active in, in whatever they want to do, could or can also be the the preemptor for them to 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 have a more healthy um, lifestyle to choose to make wiser choices. You know, um, you know, when we when we want to when we give um, the kids the right to choose where they want to be and when they want to do it, um, that's us providing um, giving them the um, the permission to, to 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 do what do what feels right for them, and a lot of the times um, we we do end up taking that permission away, and so like you know um, <clears throat> you know it, it, it has, there has to be some some long term thinking about it. It can't be just what's good for now is the is the the present day thinking that we have. Mm. So so what sort of sports around our west? What that sort of like are we? You know how you guys promote um, the healthy side of it. You know, with, with the kids, with the it's called cool, the the because the the mental health side of it is a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. I mean, you took psychology. A part of it that uses a lot of that of your of your skills of that that sort of thing. Um, what about what about under the kids are west playing sport? Like, is there like can you see other sports coming into the picture that we don't usually play, and we there could be avenue there? Um, I, I think um, I think some of the stuff that uh, like you know generally our kids will, will will naturally go to 
to mainstream sports that um, that they they see f- their their friends participating in. So they'll still stay around the netballs, the the the, um, the rugby, um, cricket. Um, you know, um, there's more um, openness now to, for for recreational kind of sports, um, which is like you know um, you know CrossFit's a, a big one at the moment. Um, um, and, and that's all. That's all like um, setting these these mini goals for themselves to to make achievements to to have personal best that they can that they look to try and and, and um, improve on all the time. Um, uh, on the well-being side, um, I think there's a real need for people to to understand that um, we we live in New Zealand and uh, our outdoor is is our world. And that we can experience that as part of um, being physically active without having a scorecard that you need to, to, to place in, in in people's hands. Um, so you know, um, we've, we're very good on uh, on doing bushwalking, um, um, doing things like kayaking. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I've noted about our, um, our Maori community is that. Um, you know, Kaimawana, um, going in, out into the to the Nahere, um, into the forest, is part of them as as being being part of um, their their whole world, and so um, you know that's something that is very similar to us. We're in we're in the island, like we live off the land, and we know how to how you know if you treat the land well, the land will will treat you back the same the same. Um, way and so um, I think that's an area that we could get better at um, and again if we get better at that then we're getting better at life a lot of the times when um, we see our kids going through um, these um, these pathways um, they end up losing life skills those soft skills that um, that we grow up with so you know yeah. <laughs> Uh, again, I take it back to Samoa, watching our kids, um, you know, when they go out into the plantation, do they go out to plant trees or do they go out to, to plant galo or or do they go out and find out find a way to make it fun for themselves? You know, um, there's little competitions that they play amongst themselves. Um, but at the end of the day, the job still gets done. But they've, they've, they've learnt, like, you know, those soft skills um, while they're doing it, you know, um, I think our, I think we need to get better at um, at um, reintroducing that into our into our own lives as well, um, which will make us um, which will help us um, guide our our kids as well. Especially when we talk about the kids, because you know in the news lately has been talk about those ram raids. Ram raids! Oh my around. gosh! Yeah. I mean, uh, out in the mall over here. Yeah. Like and the, and and when, uh, when you read into it, when you read the articles and watch it on the news, they talk about how. Oh, what are these kids doing in the meantime? Like, and, and then I think someone came on the news talked about how COVID's affected this because no one, everyone's locked down. No one, the kids aren't engaged in school hardly for these two years. We're on lockdown. And how do we get the kids engaged again? How do we get? Because I think, I think after these holidays, I think a lot of students went back to their classrooms. Yeah. I think, I think AUT. I think they've went, went back, back first day. Um, so, like stats that we received um, for term one, um, like um, school-wise, you know, there's still um, a lot of schools that haven't even reached forty percent of their attendance. 
um, of the students returning back to schools. Um, and you know, there's there's multiple reasons for it. You know, like, um, you know, COVID is still around. Um, it's not going to go away. Um, you know, um, kids have, you know, for some of our high school kids, um, they've had families have had to make big choices. Um, where they've had to, to to make those sacrifices for their kids to to go back to go into the workforce rather than to going into into um, into back into the school system. Um, but at the same time, I uh, like we know um, that it was the same same thing happened um, after the first lockdown was that we came back real strong. You know, people wanted to get more active really quickly. Um, they, um, we we kind of started to um, to to ease up on our own personal um, kind of restrictions and gave ourselves um, time to actually go give out go out and and and, and have those ex- those normal experiences again and you're seeing it more and more now so um, you know um, there there is a, an urgency for people to get active again um, and uh, it's just uh, um, I guess you know we just need to be patient enough to for it to to happen organically rather than mm. trying to force it onto people. This is kind of like one of the setbacks for sport. What's happening? Oh, um, I think that's where we that's like like I talked about responding to our community needs. Um, like mm. you know, so it was. So that needs been different now. Yeah. Or more focus now um, specifically. Well, it, it, it's profiled how much we need to put into health and well-being mm-hmm. as a as a priority for the, the current climate. Um, you know, um, there's still kids out there that want to participate in in competitive sport, and we'll, we'll definitely support that. But we also want to um, maybe explore um, how we can be better at um, at uh, providing opportunities for health and well-being. Um, we're also looking at um, you know um, some of those uh, so so those different spaces. So there's a lot of work that we're doing around um, inclusion and, and diversity, um, which were some things that were never on our on, on our register before, but now uh, um, in the last couple of years are definitely something that we we think about. Um, so what does that look like? The, the diversity. Side? Um, so you know we've got the rainbow community is a, is a big one. We've got disabilities. That's another big one, and um, and like you know, um, we've always kind of like um, um, taken note of our um, our disabilities and how can we be better at it. It's not an area that we we're not the experts in it, so we utilise our relationships to to help us there um, with our our rainbow community. Again, um, it was something that we kind of um, we we got better at the more time we spent at, in lockdown because during lockdown um the the world opened up online you know a lot of our meetings went online um we were we were started to be included in more conversations um across groups that we hadn't actually engaged with previously so that opened doors for us to for to open other doors so again um i i, I just think that's like you know there, COVID's been uh, a dark cloud, but there's a whole heap of different silver linings that we've been able to to kind of come away with as well. Yeah, that, those Zoom meetings are a big one there. I think it saved a lot of people money too, especially when people working from home, because a lot of companies save money that way because they don't have to use much power at the office, and a lot of companies actually scale down. 
like took took the office away and just scaled down to a small office and half the staff work at home and but then when things get back to normal i wonder how long that will last well yeah like i said like it's, it's very easy for us to fall back into into our norm um especially coming out of lockdown because people um people feel that that they 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 need to get back into um what they were doing before um and so i remember like we had done massive amounts of uh project planning um massive amounts of like our plan b's um how quickly we parked those um those plans because um what we thought was going to happen where everything was going to come back slowly just happened straight away and we mm. just went oh we're back into a normal let's let's start to let's start doing what we did before kind of stuff yeah do you guys get into like promoting cycling in there because i don't know if you guys get involved with the, the city council yeah or for the bike the the cycleways the cycleways they're putting yeah. all over the yeah. all over the city and stuff like i don't know like seems like they especially in town because i because I, I work in the city especially like taking away cars like you gotta pay for parking it's been a nightmare it's been a nightmare now like parking is like so expensive you know. So there's um uh when you say do we are we involved in it, we're aware of it. Yeah, but yeah, do do they consult you guys with the cycling part of it, like as a sport or as uh, what you guys do? Is that part of? I think um for like what we're doing is um like when we look at uh, our community pathways, mm. um it's more about like access and and providing like um safe travel paths um yeah exactly so they would talk to you guys if what we because you know hey said we do what the public needs us to do if they if if we want cycles uh, uh, is that they're gonna ignore that oh well it's like if we don't want it we want to use our car a a good example (laughs) is um like uh rosebank road is a a quite an industrial road um but it also has a couple of big schools um that are connected to it um, so, like, you know, in, in those areas, it's not so much like, um, uh, like creating, um, cycle pathways. It's actually about how can we create a safe environment for our kids to be able to cross the road or for our kids actually just to walk alongside the road and feel safe. So, um, you know, there's lots of different studies that, and it's, it's more that, um, when we talk about the, this work, it's, it's not us, um, uh, trying to um, to influence on a on a like a a systems, um, it's more us about like you know um, maybe offering insights or or asking critical questions in regards to what we're doing. So the the one in Henderson, like you know, that was definitely um, painful for everyone to experience that. Um, how much that, money went into that, man? Yeah. that? A failed experiment. Yeah, um, and, and how quickly it went up, and how how long it took to take down, and there's, there's still parts of it that's still existing now. Um, and Fifteen million. Yeah, oh. I'm guessing it was. It was in the millions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and at the at the end of the day, um, you know, um, what were the other effects that it that gave? So it definitely had an impact on the uh, the environment that it was put into. But um, you know, at the same time, it also raised the awareness of of people outside that area. You know, raised the the road rage. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I definitely took a 
an alternative route when I was coming through Henderson rather than coming through the, the inside of town. Because I must get a, a, a council person in here talking about it because, man, I've, I just don't, really don't know what they're trying to do. Eh? I mean, okay, I get it. They want us to, you know, for a healthy society, it's good to ride a bike. I, I get that. It's healthy, right? But then sometimes you need to carry your shopping. You can't carry your shopping on the bike, okay? Um, and then I, I get it. You want you want to you want to be good to the environment. You want to take cars off the street, use public transport. Well, public transport is so expensive. Like you can't because for me, I'm I'm happy to take public transport, but it's like the same money money I put in the bus is the same money I put in my car. So I'd rather have the car, which is more convenient, than the bus. It's the same amount. It's the same. I'm putting the same amount of money, both things, but one's more convenient than the other. Yeah. I'd rather be convenient in my car. You know, it doesn't make sense. And if you want to put all do all these changes to the streets, put these cycleways, at least make it easy for us to take public transport. If you're going to take away cars, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think our our public transport system is it, it does need a lot of work. Um, I mean, you came from Australia. How good is that one? Yeah, like I lived in Sydney. I didn't even own a car. So exactly. So, because I didn't need a car, because the trains like were <laughs> were regular, they were like you know, affordable, and and there was um you know they took you all of, the network covered the whole of of, of Sydney, so it, it it was there was no never any issues with um public transport. So, um I think one of the the downsides of Auckland being what it is is that it it um outgrew its public transport system without actually evolving its, tra- its transport system to, to keep up with it. Um, you, know, uh, you know, looking back now, like, you know, um, the the changes that people are, are experiencing right now is, uh, are there um, for long-term, um, for long-term um, impact, not, not for, um, and doesn't take into account our convenience. Because it's our convenience that's got us into trouble, you know. Um, it's our convenience for fast food, our convenience for, for, um, for like you know, how many times have you driven past the house and it, like everyone in that house has a car and there's like seven cars, cars and <laughs> uh, um, parked out in front of the house, uh, you know, on the lawn, mm. and now they've uh, passed a rule where, um, they don't need a, um, you don't need to have a car spots for your house and then building multiple houses on the same block which have multiple cars yeah i think uh, those yeah those apartment buildings yeah new ones, yeah no no, no parking park. no parking yeah, but exactly. but you know if they're going to pass that kind of laws like well look at the repercussions it's had now people are building these multi multi-house blocks and there's no parking what's going to happen to all those cars there you know, they're just gonna um they they're just causing another um danger to the public, hey. Um a a good one a good example I'll give you is um for best intentions, um, which we've experienced um and I'll share with you is uh um the um the free lunch programs that's um that schools have had has the best intention of, of providing a meal for the kids that uh, that really need it. Um, but it also has um, impacted our community so that um, a, a lot of those lunches aren't actually um, being utilised. So now um, schools are, aren't set up to, to store food, um, so they're trying to give them out to the community. Our, um, 
our communities aren't ready to to manage the amounts of food that are coming back to them. So that causes an, an issue in itself. So, so the kids aren't taking the food? Oh, the, 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 there's food there, but like not every child is going to, to want um, the, the meals that are being offered. Oh, are they just fussy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, but, uh, but we don't want the food to go to waste, so we try and give it to maybe a community hub. The community hub is only set up to be a hub. It's not set up to be a food storage. Um, and if they do store food, they don't have the capacity to, to get it out to the community who may want the food as well. So, it, like, one good intention has actually caused a ripple effect across many communities. And how many fussy kids out there? <laughs> I don't know. What do they want? When, when was the last time you had a carrot? Oh, they don't want the carrot. They don't want the carrot and the apple. <laughs> the carrot and the and, and the milk. Yeah. They want to cook. Well, yeah. Is it, honestly, is that what's happening? Like they're not even. They, wow. that, they, that, that's an example of like um, like what it's what it's causing now. Like again, um, you know, if you responded, I did a few food parcel deliveries um, during first lockdown. And um, I, I actually looked in one of the food parcels just to see what was what we were handing out, and then like to the communities that we we're handing them out to, um, you know, some of that food is is foreign to them. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, how many times have we seen a salmon eat lentils? It's like um, chickpeas. Or yeah, it's like um, do you remember what community you're giving this food to? It's like you know, so again, a really good intention. But, you know, in five years' time, when you go to Grandma's cupboard and you open the door, it's like, look, there's six cans of lentils here. Where'd they come from? This is a great example of who's making decisions up in the council. You know, you got these, these Balangis making decisions for us, us, our community, you know, South Auckland, West Auckland, you know, and that was the direct result of what was going on, what goes on, the mistake. Like, when I, when I thought about the, okay, in downtown, they want to take away cars or for all of us to ride a bike. So where's the showers when we go to work? Yeah. It's gonna be showers. Yeah. What's going on? So we all just gotta sit there, uh, yeah, so just let that clothes sweaty. clothes dry <laughs> on our bodies. It's like, yee, yuck. Yeah. yeah, you know these little things. Like I think that you know I haven't been thought out, thought out. Like yeah, it's just it's just amazing. And like uh, it's funny we we put up the Henderson thing, the Henderson, the, the intersection, how that incentive to that that is so crazy. And and you wonder, and I wonder why who 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 the hell made that decision to do that, and well, while no one else wanted to do the job, you know, no one wants to do that job. So why why not? You're gonna get some idiot to do that, you know, because no one else no one else um, right ideas wants to do it. Again, it's like it's um it's is is it is it a case where um the people who make those decisions. Um, are not engaged with the community that they're making those decisions for. That's what uh, the council's supposed to do. Yeah. Aren't they supposed to have those community meetings and yep. feedback? But then that comes back to us as a community. Um, when these uh, when we ha- when these consultations are open, how many of us are responding to these consultations? We we um, we respond to the the outcome. We don't respond to the um, the, the design. So, like, you know, we're responding to the outcome where they've placed it and they've put those um, those, that in place, but um, guaranteed there would have been consultation 
and then um, you know it's not part of our 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 normal life to be responsive to consultation similar to like you know um, how many times why do we have to run ma these massive campaigns around voting you know everyone knows that um, you know there's an election everyone knows that they're supposed to vote yet we have to run campaigns to get the community to to go to the voting booth it's like you know some of the onus does have to come back on our community to acknowledge that <clears throat> if if you want to say when you're asked you have to make a response to to give your opinion or else you're going to get things happen that you don't like because the people who do like them are the ones that respond to a consultation yeah 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 because when because because you guys have the data you guys have the engagement yeah. of the community when the council comes to you to get the information yeah. like are you surprised when it reflects on their decision at the end of it or when when that does happen when something you guys gave them you, you can see it it was, it was useful and it worked with the decision they make i don't know how what yeah. it is might be anything but have you seen uh, it go, go through i i think one one of my my good examples is is that um i i am i am the project lead for our funding stream at uh, at sport waitakere and um, a number of times, like you know, um, like I've, I've told, um, I've opened myself up to the community to be able to support them, and then you know I'll get things that people will apply for, where I know they haven't even looked at the information that we've provided, and it's not eligible for for the funding. It's like, did you guys even look at the uh, the? You, you know, I feel um, that uh, you know. You guys have invested so much time in getting your application, but you didn't get the the the, you know, you didn't cross the first step, which is actually read the information. You know, how many how many times have we uh have we seen terms and conditions where we've just signed and and ticked the box where we didn't even read the terms and conditions, and then you find out later on it's like oh, did I just make sure that like you know I I've, I've signed up for a three year warranty that kind of cost me twice as much as as what I just bought without knowing about it kind of stuff yeah so um yeah i guess my my, my advice is that like you know um if you want to have your say um you know be part of the of the design phase and um and then that way um you'll you'll acknowledge you know when things happen um that you were, you you were part of that decision um you know if you if you want to um, support yourself. Be involved. You know, get involved and 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 understand what's out there. Because, you know, as Pacific Islanders, we are all living in two worlds at the moment. You know, and um, we we navigate that space. And sometimes it does get blurred for us. But at the same same time, like you know, if we're um, if if we want to control it, we we're going to be need to be. Uh, able to navigate it better than what we're doing at the moment. I guess it's um, Auckland Transport that's running the whole cycle thing rather than yeah. the rather than the council because as I see the council's angry at some yeah. of the decisions they make. But as even AT come to you guys and talk to you about the community and whether they how many how how many have a bike and cycle and is, do do we want do our, does your does your community want cycleways? They they probably used us as as part of um, a way to to try and connect with community to get that consultation phase out, so they would have sent information out to us to to pass on to our community and get, um, connections. 
Um, so it happens quite a bit where, um, like, you know, um, one of the real active um, organisations that's uh, local boards for us is the Faux Local Board, and um, we're very fortunate to have a couple of ladies there that are, um, are responsive to our Pacifica community. So anything that comes out for Pacifica, um, we get notifications on it to pass on to our community. So we're only as good as the relationships that we have. Um, and then what we what we do is we we use um, our organisation as a leverage point to help get that information out. It might not. Um, it's not. Uh, a hundred percent accurate um because like you know um uh, i i know that um social media is a big thing for us and like you know um we use our our facebook um, account as as part of our communication strategy but that's that that is definitely dated for for a lot of our community and it's not something that that uh that um, a lot of our mainstream community access, so we've got to come up with other ways, alternative ways of, of being able to connect with our communities as well. Is this something our community right now are shouting out for, in terms of what you guys provide? Um, shouting out for? Or like more than like more than any other time. Or, well, what's the latest trend these days? Well, what are the communities after? I think. Um, uh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, because our community, like if you think about our community, it's not, it wouldn't fit under one umbrella, um, and like you know, depending on, uh, it's 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 almost scenario based. So like you know, um, some school communities are really keen on 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 having um, more engagement with externals coming into the schools. Some school communities will have still got the gates closed. Um, some of our um, Go, moving into our winter sports, we're we're looking to help um, a lot of our community areas um, lift their engagement because their the communities are starting to return. Um, but at the same time as they're returning, um, they've lost a lot of the, their volunteer workforce that was out there. So volunteer workforce is massive. Like if you were to put a dollar um, on your volunteer workforce, you'd probably be looking at probably maybe five times what your actually paid workforce would be doing, um, but it's all in volunteer, volunteer time. So, um, you know, help, helping um, helping people come back into the system to be volunteers is probably one of the priorities um, if we're looking at club space. Um, giving them the tools to be able to, to, um, to work alongside our communities is probably a, a big thing that we want to try and do um, Probably an impact of COVID has been um, um, a lot of our communities have reprioritized. So, <clears throat> typical to the Pacifica and Maori community, um, reprioritize health came first. You know, um, health came first. Um, you know, food was a, a big priority for, for families, um, having a roof over their heads, financial. Um, financial um, sustainability was a big one for for our family. So, you know, us knocking on their door, going, "Do you want to go come out and play?" is not on their radar, you know. Um, but now that things are starting to loosen up, um, us knocking on their door is more okay. So, like, you know, it's okay to come out and play now. It's okay. You know, you're, you know, we're giving you an opportunity where you still have a choice 
whether your priority take comes first or you give yourself time to come and explore. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, cool. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so what's happening in the uh, next few weeks? Next, next few weeks, um, um, I've still got this, um, this funding that I'm still trying to work on getting out. Um, I actually um, had a really great meeting today with uh, a um, Māori advisory group um, that uh, was uh, down at Community Waitakere. Um, so that, that will open a few doors of, of building relationships. Um, I've got a team that's getting out there and, and connect, reconnecting with a lot of their community spaces as well. Again, um, they'll they'll be looking at um, providing um, heaps of of um, of just um, support, um, whether it be them being there or them um, providing resources for for what the community needs. Um, and then um, on a personal level, I guess uh, you know my winter season started, so rugby training started. Um, I think we're probably in to nine weeks now, um, and we started our we had our first game on on the weekend, so it's definitely kicked in. Um, so you, you're coaching over in Ponsby? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what team are you coaching? I'm part of the um, the Premier team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we've got a real good um, coaching structure there. Um, very young team this year. Again, um, we're, we're a product of our own success. So we've we've had a few boys go over to MLR. Um, We've had a heap of boys go over to Oz. Um, we're not sure what the attraction is, but um, they're, they're they're over there. Um, which again, uh, um, as as the players leave, it opens the door for our players that are coming through. So um, I think out of the team that uh, that played on the weekend, we only had maybe four of the twenty three that were here last year. So you know, real uh, rebuilding year, but. Um, Ponsomy being Ponsomy is um, um, it, it uh, will work hard to get everyone back up onto the same um, um, level that um, that we're used to as well. So, yeah. were you guys? Did you guys? Were you guys lost in the semis against Eden? Yeah, 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 yeah. We lost against Eden, um, and Eden ended up um, winning the mm. championship for the, their very first uh, um, championship for the Gallagher Shield. So um, again, oh, good props to them. Um, but it's a new year for us, so we'll wait, we'll wait and see. We've got them this weekend too. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Because, yeah. Because you, you're a big Auckland rugby fan? Huh? You're an Auckland rugby fan? Yep. Big Auckland rugby fan, yeah. yeah. Blues. Blues fan, Auckland rugby fan. Uh, How good have they been the Blues, man? Huh? How good have the Blues been this year? Mate, we've had a, we're, 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 as a supporter, we're, we've been a bit like the Warriors for many years, so... Living on living on the high life at the moment. No, we're not like the Warriors. We actually won. We got three championships under our belt. The Warriors got none. The, the Warriors aren't doing aren't doing really good lately. I heard um, Cody Nicarino was gone. He won. He won's out. They've got the injuries. Uh, not looking too good over there. I, I, I hate this. I, I criticize the Warriors because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I'm not a Warriors fan. I support. What's your league Eagles. team? On the Seagulls. Seagulls. Yeah. Ever since uh, Matthew Ridge was there. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Nah, man. I think they need. I think they need to be sold or go back to Australia. I, th- I think someone in Australia needs to buy them, and they need to be based over there in Australia, because they can't get any players. No one, no top tier player in Australia wants to come down here. 
move their family down to Auckland. Unless you're semi-retired, like the ones we had. Like we had um, Tate, but he was past his prime, you know. So we only get those kind of guys or, or guys at all that come for one year and go. Like we need, I don't know, we need to be, the Warriors need to be over in Australia. It, it's a hard, uh, it's similar to the breakers as well. Um, because we're, we're playing in an Australian competition, um, we need to be, uh, we almost need to be Australian um, to play in that competition. Like, you know, even like if you look at um, our, our rugby competition, our super rugby, you know, looking at um, before we did the crossover, looking at our team, we thought like our teams will annihilate um, the Australian teams, the speed that we play at, um, you know, what, what we're, the skills that we're showing. But Australia play in Australian style rugby, and it's not us playing against New Zealanders anymore. We're playing Australian, so um, the 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 playing fields evened up quite a bit. Where we see the Waratahs keep beating the Crusaders, which people will be scratching their heads about, going, "How did that happen?" Yeah, yes, I they, my hands in the air <laughs> for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they um they were missing a few All Blacks, but at the same time, they're a professional side. They're a professional team. Players, um, uh, uh, there's an expectation that those players, even if you're missing players, you'll still rise to the occasion. So, you know, um, when we talk about the Warriors, when we talk about um, our New Zealand teams, um, we need to be mindful that um, not everyone plays the same as us. Mm. And um, that's a strength as well as um, a weakness that um, people, on, people on the other side of the ditch know. I was a bit of a Warriors fan when they were called Auckland Warriors. Yeah. Because this is my city. This is my, my team. I should be. I get it. New Zealand Warriors, you need the whole country to support them. Yeah. But you can't support, a whole country can't support a team that doesn't even make the finals or, you know, for ages or doesn't win. Just like the New Zealand Breakers, just like you said, they need to be Auckland Breakers again mm. or something like that. And they have another team if they want. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I reckon that, that I reckon they should just go. Because I, I th- really think if New Zealand Rugby League, there's something in there, and we've we've just given it away. I think there's something. There's a reason why Australians come over and steal our players mm. as kids. Yeah, because we've 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 got the talent. We've got the talent to play rugby league to make rugby league our sport in New Zealand. Have a proper competition. We've had the ballot card in the past. You know, we've got competition now. The Fox. We should. Go all in on something New Zealand, but I think it's too focused on the New Zealand Warriors. It's going over to Australia. Like we should, we should send them over to Australia and concentrate on their own competition. The thing, <laughs> the, the thing though is, um, like even with the um, the the Fox Memorial and um, um, what we see here, it's it's um, it's all funded by Australia. Like you know, they have the backing of those uh, big Australian clubs um, funding our New Zealand clubs to to um, to to develop the next wave of New Zealanders to come across so um, again like you know we, you know the way the system is built is, is that like you know um, we're, we're always going to be um, the the um, the seed seed nurturing factory that uh that will produce the next big thing but the next big thing will be sitting in a team of australians not a team of kiwis 
what are your thoughts on New Zealand sports culture compared to because I'm a big fan of American sports and the reason why I'm a big fan of American sports is because of their culture on sports over there their their fans are so fanatical their media is so fanatical as well the the level of media attention and it's all the money too they get they get paid millions of dollars be professional over there but it's 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 that um for me it's that tribalism they've got over there because of that sports culture it runs through school like you everybody is affiliated to a university even after you've left the university for so many years you always come back to the mascot you know you come back to you know you're part of the school for forever so you're part of that team and i, I think that's why they generate a, a lot of money over there because of the, of the tribalism because they invest in the people. The people are so invested in their in their sports team that they'll give it all. They'll give all the energy to it. They'll buy all the merchandise. And the merchandise too. It's a big business too. So it's part of this whole sports culture they've got over in America. And I think that because I think New Zealand is such a small country, we rely on funding, a lot of government funding and stuff. But I don't know if we, I don't know if we, do you think that if we have a little bit of that kind of fanatical culture coming in through our through our sporting culture in New Zealand we might generate that sort of thing where the people start to spend their money on their teams and and more money is generated through sport that way like harness the harness that because I really think America is really good at doing that so um, there's two sides that I see um, with our, our, our sports culture um, so I definitely feel that like um, we hold um, our culture, as in uh, our New Zealand culture, as um, as part of um, our front facing to the world. Like we, you know, uh, we we love being Kiwis. We love um, representing New Zealand. We we understand um, the the tikanga of 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 maori um alongside that um and so we're very um inclusive of that culture as a as a national pride <clears throat> so um that's that's not making money that's just us being um valuing um our 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 us being new zealanders um in, in our culture um the money side of it um is definitely um is in like the system itself the structures of the system and it's it's not something that we control um <clears throat> it's something that is is um is actually delivered to us um and we don't have much of a freedom to make any of those choices <clears throat> um we are the big difference that i do see and it's something that I've experienced only recently is um is outside our our um our, our big city hubs. Um so like um I know with my boys playing up in Northland that um the the club is the community and the club is the hub for for everything that happens um that is connected to that community so like you know and that's sort of like how the aussie rugby league clubs are structured like if you go to penrith club it's it's a casino bar restaurant that kind of thing yeah so and and because i I used to live in penrith as well so um um so like when i when i look at our our um our rural community that's where you can talk about 
you know, people live in the area. They play for for their local area. Um, they um, they um, are tribal to the area. So um, there's this huge um, uh, connection for them to 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 be part of that that hub. And it's um, it's got nothing to do with money. It's all about mana for 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 their for their community. Um, and like we're really lucky that um, when we introduced the boys to um, to to the to the Northland club that they also understood um, that um, they're not they they enter as outsiders um, but they need to understand that to become part of them is to actually embrace all all of it not not to just pick and choose parts of it they have to embrace the whole lot um, with um, like uh, like your example example of Penrith um there's a whole um uh funding um structure that's part of Penrith. Poker machines are the driving force of Pen- of most of the uh, the the, uh, the rugby league clubs over there um which is the, the um one of the driving forces um the, they're on mainstream TV um, so there's uh, there's advertising that goes along. So there's huge marketing campaigns that contribute to to having um, um, them as part of it. And then all all the merchandise um, all contributes on on getting the best players um, involved in it. So um, every club has a, has the same kind of structure, um, and that's why there's a salary cap. So it, it tries to keep everyone on the same playing field but in some cases like you know um, people will know how to to uh, to find the loopholes um, but um, you'll have um, the ones that are diehards that will that uh, will be part of Penrith or be part of that club do or die like our, our Warriors fans and then you'll have the ones where you know they're in it for the marketing and like you know um there's a generation of our kids out here who have never um had any involvement with any nba club yet they'll um they'll align themselves to uh, a um a, a a team simply because of the marketing strategy that's been put in front of them yeah that's a good example you see the good example of the warriors fans because they are fanatical and that's probably what keeps them the Warriors fans, even though they lose, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's that kind of. I guess it's that kind of. That kind of thing that I really want, because I'm a big sports fan. I want it to be here. I w- I see what America does, and I want it to be here, but I know it's it's not our culture. It's not what we do. So, hypothetically, to change it, we're going to change a lot of things, right? Mm. Well, but it's like salmon is yeah. a big factor. Yeah, and salmon is a big factor. But it's like um, um, where we have uh, an American culture where they like to lift pe- people up. Mm. Um, we actually have a New Zealand culture where when they're up there, we like to keep them grounded. Yeah. You know? Oh, the top obviously. Yeah, yeah. Comes so, through. so we we would rather have them, um, you know, uh, go back to their roots and stay grounded. Mm. Whereas we make um, the American society the way it is. Is they make these people, you know, um, heroes. yeah, put them on a pedestal, and they mm-hmm. just become more than just just reality. They, they they become 
almost aren't like, you know, there's so many people that um, you kind of look at them as like, you know, these people aren't even in touch with themselves in, in, in a real life sense kind of thing. I think we tried to do that with Dan Carter and, and Richie McCall on some level. Like, on Dan Carter because he's into social media stuff and he did that um, kick, kick-a-phone yeah, yeah. recently. Like he's always on there. But um, yeah, like like you said, like in America, how they we had the they had the um, everyone saw the the last dance documentary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean see, there's another thing we don't have uh, proper footage of stuff. How how much footage of Michael Jordan through his years career made up that documentary? Like we don't even have that for we don't have half of that amount of footage for Michael Jones. Mm. Now we always see the same yeah. footage all the time because that's all we got. Yeah. Like if we were to make a thirty four thirty for Michael Jones, it's gonna be a short <laughs> five minute five minute thirty four thirty, you know, and just him talking. Talking about it. But see we we're not we're not built for that kind of advertising or that kind of that, that kind of marketing. Because that's all part of because you know around Sky they have they have um what's his name? Uh, Tom Brady. They've got an episode for every single one of his uh Super Bowls. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. The Tom Brady documentary. No. It's like an hour. Yeah. And it's like I don't know how many Super Bowls he went to, 10 or 11 or something. It's got, there's, a, there's a documentary on each of them. I mean, who does that? Well, people who have the, the money yeah. to, um, to back it. And, yeah. and like, if he hadn't have gone um, the way he had, they would be sitting on a shelf somewhere. It's like, oh, yeah, it was a it was a pilot that we trialed and we spent money. But, you know, if we had, it, like, they're, they're banking on future earnings, not so much um, the earnings that they were going to receive um, like you know um, while it was happening so future earnings like they'll be how many times will that come out so, you know every Super Bowl they'll probably throw it out uh, another um, box set of it and say mm. you know here's the legend and that people will still be attached to for the next generation until the next big thing comes See, I know NRL takes a page out of the NFL with their stuff. They made the, the grand final a big spectacle, like NFL Super Bowl. They've started, you can see it with the band they have in the beginning and all that. They do it with the State of Origin and all that kind of stuff. And even the, um, what they have, the um, Immortals. Yeah. Those kind of awards. Yeah. The the, the Dallium Award every year, that kind of thing. But, but um, nah, I think, yeah, it makes me want to move to America. I love, I love, I love it. Eh? I just love it. Michael, man, thanks for coming on the podcast, bro. I uh, appreciate it. Um, we talked a lot about different things, so it's, uh, <laughs> hopefully um, uh, you understand that. Like again, I'll, I'll, I'll restate this: these are my own personal opinions, yeah, um, yeah. and and the fact that um, like uh, I have been able to share um, it's stuff that are like uh, connected with me on a personal level. That I'm sharing, it's um, and a, a lot of it, like you know, some of it came out the gate. Like the the um, the traffic question was a good good one because honestly, I know how many people have made comments about it. It's like, it wasn't us, man. It was it was not us. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. That's why I asked the question. Because like, did you guys have a hand in the cycleways? Because promoting sport cycling, or, I don't know. but but thanks, Uzo. Thanks. Yeah, I've stayed up.